Hi, I'm Joe Lynch, director of such cinematic classics as Wrong Turn 2, Knights of Badastum, Everly, and of course the new film, Mayhem. And when I'm not masturbating to Sasquatch porn, I'm listening to Nightmare Junkhead. Ooh, it feels so good. Being in and out of your consciousness like a bad dream you can't wake from, this is the Nightmare Junkhead Podcast, a horror podcast that does not condone underage drinking. My name is Greg D. I'm Genius McGee. And on today's episode, we're resisting the urge to answer the phone as we take a look at this FE extension and delve into Bob Clark's Christmas classic, Black Christmas. But before we get into that, let me remind you we are part of the Boom Howdy Podcast Network. Boom Howdy. You can find all of our past episodes at boomhowdy.com, or the easiest way to listen in is to simply search for Nightmare Junkhead in your iTunes or SoundCloud app, hit subscribe, and when we drop our latest episode, it'll download directly into your listening device of choice. All up in your holiday hole. And if you go to, <laughs> if, you, uh, if you're on the social media, watch the rib there, genius. Right. <laughs> If you're on the social media, you can follow us along on Twitter at Nightmare Junk. And if you're on Facebook, you can follow us at Nightmare Junkhead. And this is technically, this episode is not going to be released on December 25th on Christmas. Right. It doesn't fall on a Friday, but this is going to be our official Christmas episode. Yes, our ho-ho horror. So. so, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah. Cool, Kwanzaa, cool Yule, whatever, Festivus for the rest of us. Yes, whatever you get down with, and even if you don't get down with it. Have a happy one. And a safe one. Indeed, indeed. Mm -hmm. Um, But speaking of being uh, safe and happy, Mm -hmm. it doesn't happen at the Panic Film Fest. No, it does not. No, it does not. You are not safe, but you will be happy. If you're in the Kansas City area, it's almost that time again. I know. I'm so excited for it. It's coming up really quick. We were talking just off mic because we were looking. We're like, whoa. Like, holy shit, that's coming up next month. And if you even look back at Panic Film Fest from this year, we were surprised that this was the year that, you know, Movie Crypt played live, performed live, the and podcast. they were rad. Dude, oh. Joe Lynch and Adam Green are fucking the best. And congratulations to them as well with the 48-hour marathon. Yes. The Save the Yorkie. They they raised over $35,000. Good on them, And man. I'm glad to say that we here at Nightmare Junkhead were able to contribute. Mm-hmm. It was a small amount, but you know what? We love the Yorkies. Algo es algo. Yep. <laughs> and honestly, I actually enjoyed it. I listened in quite a bit more than I did the previous year. Did you go all 48 hours? Oh, God, no. Are you kidding? Ha-ha. <laughs> I can't stay up like four <laughs> hours, man. It's horrible. But. I was able to listen to, they did a Victor uh, Victor Crowley commentary with Felissa Rose, Kane Hodder, and (sighs) Tiffany Shepis. Oh, man. Did she do her Abel Ferrer? Oh, Abel showed up quite a bit in the marathon. In fact, early on, Joe, they were doing uh, some, they were answering some of the uh, viewers' (laughs) questions. And just started going into Abel Ferrara. And if if you heard it, it's all about balls and Miss 45 and... It's hysterical, and what's really funny is, of course, when Felissa comes on, they just start going back and forth, and yeah. <laughs> it's just so much fun listening to those, because you can just tell the genuine affection, but staying awake for 48 hours, mm. can you imagine podcasting 48 hours straight? Let's do it, dude. <laughs> if we were but younger men, right. potentially. We barely go 48 minutes, let alone 48 hours. But those are the kind of things you can expect at the Panic Film Festival, and it's going to be happening at the Screenland Armor, and it's going a week, folks, starting January 25th to the 31st. And I'll tell you what, every single year, I go away from there with some 
good memories. I mean, some like great times. We've seen some amazing films, but yes. you said it's not so much the films, it's the memories. Yes. And that comes about from the interaction that goes on happening. There's just mm-hmm. so much fun things that happen. It's a fantastic film festival. I mean, like I almost said it was a fantastic fest, but <laughs> that's different. No, the only thing different this year, so is there's not going to be vendors. That's true. Well, they were able to expand. Screenland Armor expanded with two extra theaters, mm-hmm. which means, though, we're going to get more, more movie movies. Goodies. Right. And those theaters are dope looking, too. So they're really cool. And so uh, they're intimate and lovely. And speaking of those theaters, on January 25th, uh, they were kind enough to invite us back. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, we will be uh, recording Nightmare Junkhead live, mm-hmm. this time in a theater. Yes. And I think... We're still on the workings of, but I think we're going to do something a little bit different from the game show right. that we brought out last year. Something totally new. So New area requires something new. We don't want to get stagnant and complacent here. Right. You know, that's the signs of a dead podcast. Exactly. Not for our dozen of, dozens of listeners that <laughs> the, expect nothing the but the best. Dozen, Indeed. Right. The dirty dozen. But make sure you go and check that out, gang. Panic Film Festival, <laughs> Screenland Armor, Kansas City, Missouri. A good reason to come down and visit us. A good time will be had by all. And also a special shout out to the Horror Virgin podcast that are also going to be recording live mm-hmm. January 26th. If you're not listening to them, they're part of the Modern Horrors podcast. And Dark Was the Night, uh, as hosted by one Casey Canton, who was our very first, you remember, he was our first yeah, guest. he was our first guest. On Nerds of Nostalgia, which led to Nightmare Junkhead, who mm-hmm. we wouldn't be doing this podcast without for Tim. Right. So, so thank you. So yeah, Tim is the root of all this evil. He is. <laughs> if we stop him, we can stop the podcast. <laughs> don't do it. Don't do it. No, 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 no. But he will also be podcasting live with Dark Was the Night, nice. which is actually more of a storytelling podcast. So we've got all of your bases covered and all the films that are going to be showing. So check it out. Uh, get your tickets now. They will probably sell out fast. Yes, they will. Yes, they will. Well, it's. Been, I can't believe actually we are our own, we are 150 episodes in to this point, and I'm surprised we have not talked about our film for this episode. Exactly. I mean, I, we we've talked about it, but we've never dedicated an episode to it. Which we've been doing this for a few years now, and the holiday season comes up every year. We've so, we've devoted several seasons shit, to. We, shit, we've done an episode on Santa Slay. So <laughs> when you do a commentary track for that, you know you're not necessarily scraping the scraping the bottom because it's you know for us it's, it's still a delicious. great movie, yeah. right? But, but that's an obscure gem compared to this. This is actually what I would call a film. Mm, you know, absolutely. This is, this is one you could show your pretentious friends. You can show. I don't. I don't know if you'd be able to show certain family members. No, but you could show normies. This is a this is a normies for this is a good example of a horror movie. This is a masterpiece. And this is one we are talking of course Bob Clark's Black Christmas. Mm-hmm. And if you haven't seen this film, I mean stop what you're doing right now yeah. and go and watch it because we are going to spoil it. Yeah. Because there's a spoil lot to the talk shit about. Shit out of it. But it's a like 30 plus mo- a longer oh, 40. 40. Yeah. 44 so, years. 1974 this film came out. And I think that's probably the best place to start. Mm-hmm. Because if you go to any horror fan, you know, in general, mm-hmm. and you ask them, what's probably the first slasher? People are going to say nine times out of ten, Halloween. They may even say Psycho. Yeah. You get the real art snobs are going to say Peeping Tom. But you would hardly ever, ever hear anyone say Black Christmas. Yeah. And so the fact that it came out in 74, four years before Halloween, when you watch this film, that's always something fun to keep in mind. Mm -hmm, Because there's a lot of like tropes being set up. And I'm not saying John Carpenter saw this and was like, oh, I'm going to do this. Yeah, no, no. But 
it's, the seeds were sown. Exactly, exactly, exactly. So I'm curious, genius. Uh, Black Christmas. What's your relationship with this? Do you remember kind of your first experience with it by any chance? Not really. It's always been kind of around. It's but it's not been more prevalent in my as in Silent Night, Deadly Night, right? But there's always been like you know Black Christmas and even in the old blockbuster days, and you know you'd see the that silhouette of the head in the bag and it was always very scary so it i didn't come to this i came to this kind of later in the game because it was one of those you know those covers like how like okay the, well the one that challenges you right which was weird because i normally i'm like oh, let's take this, this, this but this one and i think it's because at that time i wasn't ready for um Halloween, not Halloween, horror and Christmas just yet. Because up until then, it was still like, you know, Merry Christmas, here comes Santa Claus, you know, stuff like that. But then, yeah, then I started branching out, and that's when I discovered Black Christmas. And this is one I am I was really late on the game on because uh, this is one of those that I could have gone, yeah, I've seen that. Yeah. Because I knew enough of Black Christmas because it had a good reputation, mm-hmm. but I it probably was about five years ago when I first saw it. And but from the get go, the minute I watched it, I just instantly fell in love with it. And, I'm, and it was one of those. Where I'm like, I'm kicking myself because I could have been enjoying it for so many years. Mm-hmm. But it's now I'm, it's OK, though, because now it is totally in my regular rotation. Oh, yeah. And it's a film that I've come to every time I watch it now. I grow to love it a little bit more. And, you know, we've talked about on Nerds uh, a long time ago. We did a Alien retrospective series. Mm-hmm. And I always said Aliens is still my favorite of the Aliens movie. Yeah. But every time I watch Alien, it creeps I up like a little it. bit more. And it's going to happen where there's going to be a time I'm going to watch Alien. I'm going to go, oh, I like this more than Aliens now. So with Black Christmas, now, now no, hold on, oh. hold on, hold on, hold on. Oh. Because <laughs> you go back to our Into the Mouth of March Madness tournament, uh, Halloween 1 uh-huh. from 1978. And I've always said it. It's one of my all-time favorites, if not my all-time favorite horror movie. Right. Now, I'm not saying that eventually Black Christmas is going to surpass Halloween as my all-time favorite horror movie, but even maybe in a slasher sense, mm-hmm. not in, you know, including nostalgia, it might happen. Ooh. That- I, can, I can see it, though. I can see it, especially, like, upon rewatching and knowing that it kind of came first, you know? So, like, but it's a good fucking film. It's an amazing film. It's a movie that, for me, when I watch it now, it's so much a warm blanket. And I think a lot of that has to do with, number one, just the cinematography, the the Canadian coldness that also kind of just envelopes everything and and you already started getting into it a little we'll, we'll get to Billy here in a minute yeah. but also though that what I love about the film though is that it also does have that crazy Canadian cold to it like when they're out in the fields you feel the air biting through yeah it's a cold cold film like during the search party I found myself like wanting to warm yourself by a fire right thinking like man i want a ski mask too how come they never see people in ski masks no more but then i'm like oh yeah the crimes the cr- yeah. so like <laughs> so but it was i was getting like i'm gonna turn up the heat the 1970s another time another place indeed indeed <laughs> no it's it's one of those films though like i said it's it's a warm blanket it's mm-hmm. crazy cold but it just it i can't watch it at any other time but christmas yes and you know what which is weird because it's only been up until recently where it's been my rotation I mean, it's always been in the peripheral, Silent Night, Deadly Nights, and like Santa mm-hmm. Slay, other stuff like that has been in 
constant Christmas More rotation. Schlocky. But I don't really have a Christmas rotation as I have a Halloween rotation. My Christmas rotation is like National Lampoons and Bad Santa. Scrooged. Right. So when I have a horror movie, but it, it's not until like recently where I'm like, I fucking I need to see Black Christmas. But if you, but that's the weird thing. You can watch Halloween in the middle of July and you'll still be scared. Yeah. And you'll still be really effective. Black Christmas, though, if you watch in the middle of July, I don't know if it's going to have the same sting to it. No, I think you need to be surrounded. You need to be in the cold. You need and to be in the Christmas season, the yeah, holiday season, dude. It's well, I think last year we actually devoted an episode to films that you only watch in December or when right. it's cold. And I'm pretty sure this one this was, was mentioned. Yeah. Yeah, for me, no, it doesn't really work outside of that. Mm-hmm. But that's not a shot against the film. No, it's still a great film. It's but just like, how it perfectly encapsulates everything I want within a Christmas film almost within a right. horror film yeah so many good things to it and also so a little peek behind the curtain recently watched uh had a chance to screen it up on the big screen thank you terror tuesday alamo draft house and it was my first time actually seeing it on the big screen mm-hmm. and it never fails the thing that i'm always just the warm embrace that comes initially is how funny this movie is this movie is hilarious but i mean look at the pedigree i mean look look at I mean, look who did it. I mean, and it's funny if you mention the name Bob Clark. It's insane. <laughs> most people, and this is not his only Christmas classic. In fact, we mentioned you know some horror fans don't know this. Normies definitely know this, but you know what normies know? They know a Christmas story, right? Which is directed by one Bob Clark. Mm-hmm. So the, the fact that he has two just absolute polar opposite Christmas stories like you get your eye shot out in black Christmas (laughs) a totally different way way. exactly exactly there's gonna be some eye stuff but no (laughs) and then other normies might know him from Porky's he boner jams he he gives he crosses the genre which is wonderful because it's very rare that you get someone that goes into that many different like genre films and do them well and do them extremely well do them very well I mean Porky's is a classic you know, I mean, in a lot of circles, it's oh, a classic film. Porky's was one of that was forbidden fruit back in the day. Right. Because it was like a boner jam for this 50s crowd, you know. And also, weirdly enough, features an eye hole People, as well. Right. I'd Bob Clark th- has Bob Clark has, has eyes as Tarantino has feet. He really does. You'll shoot your eye out. And Black Christmas, the the great reveal we get was only the eyes, right? And then he has the Porky's thing, the Bob Clark eyeball cinematic universe. That's, weird. That is kind of weird. Weird. Maybe, now maybe that was obvious to everyone, but, but I feel us, like we just come. Right, we just got it. Like boom. Like, Next thing you know, we're actually gonna have like a big old billboard, and we're gonna have like things Pepe attached. Silva, exactly. Bob Clark. He was just right here in the mailroom. But like. <laughs> So, yeah, no, it is surprisingly funny. Um, a lot of it from I say, some of the Canadian sensibilities, I think. And I don't want that to sound like a slight because I love it. This is one of those films that for me, kind of like also with like Hello, Mary Lou, Prom Night 2 or even my Bloody Valentine. But that Canadian feel that it has just makes it so much more endearing. And especially like the Canadian characters you get in the background. Seeing it on the big screen, there's a guy in the search party wearing the craziest like orange mustache that i have ever seen and i never noticed it until on the big screen and 
everyone noticed it. Everyone's you heard like a little. Ooh, did you see that? <laughs> it's like a Sasquatch <laughs> sighting. It was incredible. Man, no, I, 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 you know what? It seemed very Canadian, but also it seemed not because there was times like, is this New England? Is you it, know, because it just seemed like like it could be placed in small town anywhere, and that's what I kind of liked it because it's yeah. so fucking creepy. But then everybody, the cast of characters are insane. And then you have Gene Shalit as Santa Claus, you know, and the and then. <laughs> <laughs> that stuck out to me. I'm like, holy shit. He goes, these little bastards, right? I was like, that's fucking brilliant. And maybe that's where um, all those uh, Terry Zigwoff got his idea of bad Santa. There we Ideally, go. I'd love to think like Black Christmas has its tendrils. In the DNA is everywhere. Yeah. yeah. It'd be kind of nice. Now, on the polar opposite side, though, of it being very funny is the fact that also it's a mean movie as well. Oh, it is mean as shit. It kills people off. You don't want to die. Are we going into spoilers? Can oh, we, oh can... we, yeah, we warned okay, them. This okay, is a 44 cool. year old movie. Cause like we talked about, actually, this is kind of a, a cross between the two uh, conversations. We talked about how funny it is. And one of the funniest fucking characters is the house mom. Oh, Mrs. Mac, Mrs. Mac. <laughs> and it's when she gets dispatched, it's heartbreaking. I was like, no, no. And you knew she was going to go because she was like, I'm going to go away from my sister's son. You won't see me for two days. She's over there with her toilet hooch. She, yeah, she should have been two days away from retirement. And, and, and honestly, anyone that hides the hooch the way she does. Right. Everywhere. Everywhere. And she's going in the girl's room looking for more hooch that she fucking hid. And it's all rot gut. It's it's like cooking sherry. Yeah. It's it's a fucking little for me. Me, right and she's over there and then she gets dispatched horribly a i might nasty, add horrible horribly. way but you know what here's another thing about it you don't when you there's a lot of kills but you don't see them you only see the aftermath it's it's it's, it's surprisingly bloodless film well a la halloween uh, uh, until the aftermath because there's oh, a yeah, lot of fucking truth, blood in the the, well we went to the aftermath but it's very cleverly crafted um a lot of it off screen a lot of shadow play but honestly when mrs mac the little it's almost kind of a sight gag when she gets pulled up mm-hmm. and then her shoe drops yes oh yeah. oh and then she's and then and then it's all off screen but she hear like no stop and it's and it's heartbreaking because it it's mrs mac. mac you really liked her that drunk old broad you know what i'm saying so she's over there and then it's just like then you see it how grotesque and gruesome it was and that just like throws salt in the wound and that's what bob clark did he was like he's gonna let you play your imagination and then fuck with you a bit there's a really stark contrast in the scene where we go from the detectives laughing at the fellatio joke which we'll get to which was great which is wonderful and then it goes cuts right to peter and uh, and uh jess going back and forth and, yeah you know, that's such a hardcore thing so it's re- it works really well it's very jolting and it's again one of the reasons i think that it, it really stands out is it's it's a good film it's like, a great bottom line, film. It's, it's a good a, film it is it's shot well written well and funny as shit like the buckshot when that man and that cop's like fuck you i'm gonna shoot you again he come back on my lawn full of buckshot i'll stick it up sideways exactly just the little one-liners all the characters that populate this movie um if you go back and listen you go watch actually any uh film with um um craig r baxley Mm because his like side characters are always crazy like i come in peace uh stone cold but there was something about just the background characters in this. And again, I think it's their Canadian sensibilities that just charmed me. Yeah. And that's the other, that's the other thing. This film is weirdly charming as mm-hmm. well. It was mean, too. But no, again, you yeah. get that crazy contrast there. So let's go into the cast a little bit. And hello. 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 One, Olivia Hussey, who 
growing up in the 80s, if you were lucky in elementary school. Yes. You, you know got, what I'm talking yeah, about? Yep. We would watch Romeo, Romeo and Juliet. And there's one scene right in the middle after they after they first met. They wake up in the morning and there's boobs. And you get and, to, and you saw boobs at school. And they were and I mean, and they were they, they weren't like, let's just say they weren't educational boobs. They were like good boobs and that's where so creeps like, of nostalgia Ooh. the seeds were sown for creeps of nostalgia right there right i really paid attention to shakespeare that day i'm like tell me more bard tell me more like yeah. to straighten out his longfellow <laughs> thank you nice. rodney dangerfield yep. uh, hey, hey. Uh. <laughs> no but olivia hussey is just i don't think we talk about how this film doesn't get enough credit as a you know a slasher there's that Jess doesn't get enough credit for being one of the great final girls. She's a badass. She and I want to talk a little bit about her character because yeah, she's got a good character. Art. Her character has such agency. Mm-hmm. And this is what I find very interesting with this film is it does tackle the abortion. Like she yeah. basically finds out she's pregnant and she wants to get an abortion. Mm-hmm. This film came out in 1974, so that was a really hot button issue. Roe versus Wade uh-huh. the year before. So I'm. Uh-huh. Actually, you know, bravo to Bob Clark for addressing it and also making Jess someone that's like not succumbing to the pressure. Yep. Her body, her decision. Like she is just a, she's a, it's such a good character. And it's prescient extremely nowadays. I mean, with everything going on with everything. Yeah. It's, um, uh, Keir Dula's Peter who plays just the ultimate like this. Oh, I've got, I'm going to conservatory. Right, and he and he kind of plays that with the it's kind of my way or the highway, and right. very kind of intimidating. If you kill that baby, her. you're gonna be sorry. And so, like, and that ultimately leads into the suspicion of him. But no, just the fact that she's just such she and she's caring. Yeah, you know, she's legitimately looking out for her her friends, and you know, she it's she's she going just, on search parties for for the love. And of I God. think you can make a great drinking game. Just you know, ever take a drink and hello. Hello. I Hello. and I was I was charmed by her hellos. I don't mm-hmm. know what it is. No, just she is such a good and every time I watch it, I just grow in love with her even more. She's and cuz she's wonderful. She's beautiful and she's got a Diamond Dallas Page sweater. Did you see that Mono's Hands of Fate sweater she had going on? That was fucking off-putting. It was just like, <laughs> it's like, because she's like, hello. And then like, you're like, oh, you're pretty. Bang. Bang. Right? Like, I couldn't tell. I thought it was initially like they were making antlers out of hands. Like it was a homemade shirt. Also, it looks kind of pervy. Yeah, it looks like someone's grabbing her tits. Yeah, it's horrible. Yeah. So it's such a weird, maybe it's a Canadian thing yeah. or another time. Another place. Potentially. But Again, I don't think she gets enough credit for Mm-mm. being just a just not even so much a final girl, but just a good character but in horror. All the characters, all the sorority girls were great characters. I mean, and even the fodders at the beginning, oh, they were, I mean, they're, which is one of the meanest kills. Yeah, and the fact that you keep coming back to her wrapped up in the plastic. Yeah, that's deeply disturbing. Exactly, and oh. he's like playing with her and shit. You can't even. I can't even imagine. But like. All the characters. Barb was okay, great. Let's, let's, Phil was great. Let's let's talk him down. Barb, yeah. raise whatever your drink you have. Margot sh- Kidder passed away recently. Yeah. Barb is like the female you. Nah. Just like just mean and drunkenness. You know, corrupting the kids. Yeah. She She gave that kid she gave that kid liquor numerous times. Even, numerous times. I'm getting this kid schnockered. She had a Christmas party with Gene Shallot. And so like <laughs> 
<laughs> and then she's over there. She probably knows where all the all of uh, uh, the bathtub hooch hiding places are at. Most that. Well, you know what? She's always drinking like fine scotch. Yeah, but she she's is, classy. She's always drinking though, and it's like yeah. Brad Pitt notions eleven when he's always eating. Barb is always drinking and giving shit. Even at the police shit. station. Telling them, fuck off. She cracks open an, a like, beer can right in front of just drink, fuck the police. And she's over there sipping like, what's the number? It's fellatio 555. Okay, now, I see, I didn't, the fellatio joke, I didn't get the extension though. F-E, is that like a, is that a, is that a code? Is that like yeah. a you know, so back area in the, code? No, yeah, back in the area codes for the hose. No, um, Back in the day, like Klondike 5, 5, 5, 5, 5, 5. So it'd be KL. Okay, so Klondike. Mm-hmm. And then if you look on the numbers of the phone, that's right. That's the, the letters. So that'd it be doo doo. It'd be 5, 5, because Klondike is 5, 5. So it'd be 5, 5, 5, 5, 5, 5. So fellatio is F E and then 5, 5, 5, 5, 5. So it would be like uh, 4. Four two something like that. So if you can figure it out, give that number a call. See what happens. Right. Uh, that's okay. That makes me happier then, because the joke in itself is wonderful. Yeah. Especially when you can see and it her comes back too, which is great. The best callback ever. Because so, can we talk a little bit about John Saxon oh, and the Laughing Cop? Oh God, John. Oh, so podcast favorite John Saxon, barrel chested grizzly, wearing ass. one of his great little pieces. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was kind of his thinking man's piece. The most competent, incompetent police because he, he's he's very concerned because mm-hmm. he realizes that you know his his sergeant at arms uh Fucking sergeant nash nash god <laughs> damn that character <laughs> so nash is the one actually that barb is uh dare we say giving the fellatio to right and he and it's lost on him which is wonderful and there's that great and what's funny is and we're going to get to a little bit more going to bob clark's filmography but in porky's there's another scene where people are laughing in the background non-stop just as that one like like that's another motif you see in Bob Clark films and the fact that it's so it goes over the fact that he's like something Some dirty, dirty isn't it, it? yeah and the other cop I, is just busting out laughing because at the same because when I'm watching it at the first like I'm like because like he's he just finished a dramatic scene like look if anything happens I will be off the phone click then you hear just like laughter 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 and he looks over what is so fucking fun laughter 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 and like What's this number, right? Is such good comic timing. It really was. It was so good. And that's again, that's what's crazy is you get you can go from those laughs, but then you go straight into Peter and Jess's, you know, arguments. Right. Or people getting eviscerated <laughs> just terribly. And I, I love a good, you know, smash cut as the next guy, but uh but uh, no, John Saxon is wonderful in this one. Uh you guys you mentioned Phil as played by uh, Andrea Martin, who mm-hmm. SCTV royalty. Yeah. Which is that's Canadian SNL for you know <laughs> exactly. some of our younger viewers there, uh, but she also played in the remake, didn't she? Yes, she but played the Mrs. Uh, the Mrs. Mac Mrs. Character. Mac character, and she goes horribly. That's it's an eyeball yeah, thing. I, yeah. See again, I haven't seen it, but I've seen it. Uh, okay, so I just want to go into the re- we'll have to talk a little bit about the remake, of course, but let, of course. This is, well, this is a good place to do it. The remake is garbage. I mean, like the character is so loosely based. We didn't need to know Billy's backstory, and we'll get to Billy here in a little bit. We didn't need. There's a weird, a two totally different eyeball fetish for the thing. There's like incest diddling. 
and ew, I don't like ew, that. No, no, I don't like that. We got a little bit of that with Blood Rage. There's and, just, no, there's just no. It gets oh, no, really it? filthy and dirty, and you're like, oh my god, this is. So is, is a schlocky, just trashy movie? Yeah, and and mean for the sake of being mean, and like they killed Mary Elizabeth Winstead, and nobody kills Mew. Is it is it basically kind of like Rob Zombie's Halloween to John exactly, Carpenter's Halloween? Exactly, exactly. Okay. okay. Um, a lot of backstory, extra mean kills for the sake of just being... Nah, it's not really... I don't want to say it's not worth your time because it might be your fucking favorite. Sure. But there's apples and fucking orange Julius compared to the next two. I mean, it's like no comparison. It's... And yeah. like, and that makes sense to me because again they're going for different sensibilities. I you know and I guarantee you there are probably some people out there that this might be, uh, you know, just a boring movie for them because you know a lot of people now even eighties films people are looking back as oh that's old I don't want to watch that. But see that's the thing about slow burns and I love slow burns when there's a good payoff. But this wasn't a slow burn. No, no, it continues. No, it's it's it sets its own pace. It's a gradual pace, but it's building the tension and building the terror, and it does it quite well. And I think if people are bored, if they just wait and just see where to go for the ride, yeah. one, I don't know how they're going to be bored, but if they are, I mean. You're probably going to laugh. You right. might get scared. If you don't laugh, or at least chuckle at a couple of times. I mean, there's it's... that even that great sequential picture of the old lady finally giving him the bird. That was in my notes. That was hilarious. And she's over there trying, to cover, trying to cover up everything. Well, and, she's and, then con- the... and she's trying to save it from Canadian Frank Oz. Exactly. Ooh, that guy, which I love him. Frank Oz. Frank. <laughs> and he actually, his character arc as well, because, you know, He's his sad. daughter is the one that's been bagged. Right. And, and that's the creepiest thing as well, is the fact that in that third floor, it's all there. Yeah. But no one ever explores it. Nobody goes it. upstairs. No. Which. And it's like he's sitting not five, not five feet vertically from his daughter mm-hmm. who's in a bag. Oh, it's so sad. It's so sad. And we've, we've mentioned Billy. Let's talk a little bit about the vocal performance as one. Uh, Nick Mancuso. Ooh, that was they, creepy. It's super creepy. Now, here's a true story. Seen it on the big screen. You hear everything. It doesn't. It's more disturbing. This and that. It doesn't really scare me. I get home last night. I'm going to falling asleep and I start hearing this and I for a brief second pitch black I'm like oh god it's Billy like what's happening why See, why eyeball coming out of the in the tur- floorboard turns out Lola's stomach was a little upset and it was making a lot of noises <laughs> but for a brief second a brief second I was scared and I was like oh my god and that to me tells you this the strength of a of a movie like Black Christmas that it can it can still scare you. Dude, I and, was oh, I was tense. I'm sitting in my house alone watching this movie and I'm like holy shit. I mean, I'm getting scared. The closet scenes were scary. Billy uh it it was there was genuine scares bob clark did a good job of setup and then punch yeah you know so i you know i don't know who played billy i don't think they probably did as much vocalization but if we ever do another modern remake i would love to see mike Patton as the voice of billy uh mike Patton from faith no more phantomas he does a lot of crazy he actually did like um the score for i think either crank or crank high voltage mm-hmm. he's crazy crazy composer but he's got those really crazy vocal like <laughs> that kind of stuff uh, dare a, a a low class frank welker you know if you yeah. will um but see that was the weird thing about billy in this one it got well, sexual and then it got weird and then it stopped being sexual and then it got weirder and he made animal noises and it was you, just you have no idea where he's coming from much like 
in the original Halloween where see and that's what I liked especially is considering the backstory of the remake because the remake was nothing but backstory this you don't know dick about nope. Billy nope. you don't know what he is why he's doing it what's going on you, even at the end you don't see his face you never see nothing you get but the like, iconic eye shot but yes, that's about as close as you get that's it and maybe some hands yeah it is extremely disturbing and extremely creepy it's beyond creepy yes. and it's all a lot of the vote now uh, the uh the scream factory blu-ray that was put out he actually does a commentary as billy i got about half an hour and i had to stop it was just too much i can appreciate because with billy you get him in little doses yeah and it's funny your initial <laughs> introduction to him sets the stage pretty gnarly because you get a few sea drops mm-hmm. sea bombs dropped in there mm-hmm. and we're not talking the silver bullet sea you know sea bomb it's it's pretty gnar- gnarly See you next tuesday yes yeah, yeah. and it silenced our theater actually which i expected it to. yeah well even barb in that in that exchange because she gives it as well as mm-hmm. she gives oh yeah and she says some things that are just also a little something about not being able to rape a town age you're just like oh barb oh yeah. barb she, really and then yeah no it, she she was who that was a, there's some difficult scenes in there too because people are just laying it on the line and then you have a 13 year old girl that yeah, that is raped and murdered, right? Out of and that's and that's a peripheral thing as well that has not. Well, we assume it doesn't have anything to do, but does, we don't does know. Billy? We yeah, again, I, who knows? It's and the ambiguity of this film as yes. well. And let's let's talk a little bit about the ending because the ending of it is probably one of the most unsettling things on the planet. In yeah. fact, and it just ends so abruptly. And our audience was everyone was just dead silent as I it bet. happens. It was incredible because. You know, spoiler, they don't catch Billy. Uh-uh. Billy's still in the house. Yep. Uh, and then so that, that panning away shot, and you just see her face in that third floor window, just almost like a weird like jack-o'-lantern. It, oh, it's so and the, unsettling. And then the ringing of the phone. Oh, yeah, yep. That was scary to me, too. I was, like, thinking if my phone <laughs> rings right now, I'm going to flip the fuck out, right? And I'm just, because I'm sitting there like... And then I have to turn off all my lights and everything. And I'm like, oh, you know, it gave me pause, you know, to like, okay, now I'm in the dark again. You know what I'm saying? So even in my own home, I was just like, because that's that's the the scary thing, because not only do you not know dick about who he is, but he's in your own home and he's looking at you and listening in and doing all this shit. It's fucking terrifying. I would really like to be able to somehow be able to clone your phone so he could like get someone. To, he's calling from the Runjin. Right. Yeah. I'm going to burn my house to the ground. You know, just something. Cause, well, it's horribly ooh. unsettling, like you said, because when you're home is you where. You should be safe. Right? Right. That's there, There's just that that horrible like betrayal of, of that. And, and again, that's what you get with John Carpenter's Halloween. Yeah. That, that comes, you know, horrors in suburbia. Here, the horror is in the sorority house, which, and let's face it, there's been so many films set with sorority babes right. and so forth. There's movies called Sorority Babe Massacre, <laughs> and so like. But this is one that's again, it's a film. It's just, mm-hmm. it's so good, so well crafted. Because it's not explo- exploitative. No, no, it, it's it's a. The only nudity in this film is a little, you know, male butt. Number yeah. one with yeah. buckshot. With buckshot butt, and that's about it. I mean, and the kills themselves, like even Barb's kill, which is probably one of the more iconic ones because it involves that glass unicorn menagerie thing. And you've seen probably a lot of, uh, you know, art pieces done by that. But that also in the way it's in, in the way it's cut back and forth with the uh, the carolers. With that was an effective scene because it's like 
he they're singing it's this beautiful children's and, choir and jess is all into it you right know? and then also she's like thinking like maybe i should she because she's having doubts about getting the abortion because of all these kids and so you see that look on her face of like you know maybe i am making a not right i decision. didn't even think about that and meanwhile this beautiful christmas thing Upstairs, mm. you have this stranger stabbing Margot Kidder to death with a fucking glass menagerie unicorn. It's insane. The juxtaposition, and it worked well because it was both sad, because you didn't want to see her go, yeah. and two, it, the whole caroling thing. And it was creepy because it was a creepy song. Yeah. And so it's, it's kids. And let's it's, face it. Yeah, it's a creepy kid singing Christmas songs, which is kind of creepy already. And having killer in the house, so yeah, it worked on multiple levels. Yeah, no, it's like I said, every time I see it, and especially seeing it on the big screen, there was just for, for me just so much just going on with it. Uh, it's just it's comfort food at this point. It's, mm-hmm. it's it's moved into that status for me as a film, as a comfort food film, much like Return of the Living Dead, Creep Show, films of those ilk and that's again this is a film for me capital f but only at christmas only at christmas though yeah right to me though that's why i think cements its status right now for me as a kind of an all-time film Mm -hmm. because that's one i'm going to watch every christmas yeah this is the time of year i watch it we we even talked about maybe doing a commentary for it but i just i don't think i'd just sit there and all just watch it yeah right or it'd be an an hour and a half just stillness yeah because it it demands your attention and if you if if it sucks you in, you're in for the ride, and it is a good ride because it's genuinely funny, genuinely scary, uh, and well acted, well directed, well shot, and that boyfriend's coat, that fur coat, was rad as shit. I have to look and see if Slapshot came after '74, but I'd love to think that his style totally inspired Paul. Um, oh my god. Yeah, I know you're talking about it, but I can't think of it. Oh, my God, that's horrible. <clears throat> um, <laughs> Paul. Jesus, he's got his own salad dressing. Newman. Thank you, Paul Newman. Good Lord. Ah. We're going to get our nerd card. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> but no, yeah, I'd love to think that he totally inspired that look because that's straight out of Slapshot. That's another thing. I like the fact that there was a lot of red herrings. Oh, there, it well, kept you guessing. Peter himself is the person that even like Lieutenant Fuller, John Saxon's character, is at the end. Mm-hmm. They're the one because, yes, yeah, big spoiler, just bludgeons him. To death. I and mean, just like. Also, the way that is shot, it also, I'm wondering if like Sleepaway Camp, when, uh, when yeah. the very last shot, when she's kind of cradling in the lap like that. Because I forgot that, uh, that what all went down you know and when she opens up and you think that she's dead you're like no and then then you're like hello and so like (laughs) (laughs) yeah no it's totally unsettling and of course as we as it turns out you know he had nothing to do with it as much of a creep as he was and even like his recital that he goes to when he's all angsty and that was creepy that's a ding dong dong the jazz music so it was just like (laughs) And then he's all pissed off and shit. Oh, yeah. Well, and that's, again, you're giving, you know, it's it's kind of one of those Hitchcockian things where, like, we can know that maybe he's not the, the killer, but the characters don't know that. Exactly. And so we're there. And it and, works. And we're, because we're, we're invested in the characters. Mm-hmm. We care for these characters. We don't want them to die. Yeah. And that's what I think a lot of, a, a lot of modern horrors now are kind of getting better at. Yeah. Is crafting characters we do care. Because there was a lot of fodder. 
I mean, in a lot of other horror movies, and even well, in you, this ilk, there's you said even within the the remake itself, they nothing are nothing but fodder. They're mean so, girls, right? Mm-hmm, yeah. mm-hmm. So I guess let's um, wrap it up here, and we're going to talk a little bit about the Bob Clark filmography because man, there's some gems in here. So weird. Uh, make sure you, you, if you can, check out um, our friends at Rotten Rentals. They are doing a a, a Death Day Advent kind of thing. Madvent. Madvent. That is all. RottenReynolds.com. I actually have a copy of Black Christmas. Thank you, Rotten Reynolds. Uh, but what are Rotten Reynolds again, genius? Rotten Reynolds are rad. They're these old clamshell covers, like uh, the old Blockbuster covers or the old um, for the VHSs. But there's no VHS inside of it. There's all these treasure trove of goodies. There's like trading cards and stickers and like little toys and tarot cards. But the artwork on the on the front of the clamshell is the artwork that you would see back in the day. And they even have custom made stuff. It that's really sharp. So if you want to she's staring at you genius saying you know you're you're not going to rent me for quite a few years mm. but when you do it's so creepy it's so creepy to see just the bag and billy even when you just see the eye oh, he's that's... yeah that's an iconic sh- iconic shot ah. ah well speaking of iconic the bob clark filmography reads like just a crazy who's what right of films especially we've talked a little bit about porkies and a christmas story uh, Porky's again, Boner Jam. He did Porky's Two the next day. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I like Porky's Two the next day. I'm, it's it, well, he does Shakespeare in that one. Um, they have it's his. They're weird because they're set in like Florida in the 1950s, so racially and the politics are a little bit weird. Mm-hmm. But also, I think he was trying to be a little bit more forward thinking as well. I haven't watched them in a while, so yeah. it, it might be a weird rewatch for me. But I'd kind of like to revisit those sometime. Now, me too. That's a nerd's nostalgia. <laughs> Speaking of one that wouldn't be on Nerds and Nostalgia, he was involved with uh, two of my two of our favorite people actually, Dolly Parton and Sylvester Stallone. He directed Rhinestone. No shit. Yeah, he directed Rhinestone. So he's responsible for uh, Drunkenstein. <laughs> <laughs> and if you haven't seen Rhinestone, oh, sorry, Genius pulled his rib out, and yeah. uh, we're trying to avoid him laughing. Cause, uh, I'm Genius McGee, and welcome to Jackass. <laughs> but if you haven't seen Rhinestone... Like eh, a Rhinestone cowboy. I don't know if you need to. Um, a great podcast, 80s all over. If you're not listening to it, you're doing the podcasting business wrong. They're covering every major film from every month from the 80s. And recently they just talked about Rhinestone and they're like, yeah, it doesn't hold up that well. Now, one that I saw on constant rotation on HBO, a little film called Turk 182. Mm, Why does that sound familiar? Because it was on HBO like as much as Beastmaster. Um, All I remember, though, is because the HBO, the little uh, previews, they had these little great 30-second things. It had the guy was doing graffiti of Turk 182, so it always stuck out. Now, he did an episode of Amazing Stories. I loved Amazing Stories. Which was always rad. One with, this is one that I haven't seen in a while as well. He got involved. It's a lawyer flick with Bender from Breakfast Club. Do you remember From the Hip? Yeah. He directed that. No shit. Exactly. No shit. That's almost all of his filmography is a, oh, no shit. No way. And then he followed that up a few years later, which one, God help me, I saw this in the theater, Loose Cannons. <laughs> Do you remember that? <laughs> With Dan Aykroyd mm-hmm. and Gene Hackman. Yeah, it's 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 kind of crazy. Um, and then also he did Baby Geniuses. So, you know, yeah, but um, unfortunately, yeah, his, his life was cut short very sadly by a car accident. Um, we lost a true master, uh, yeah. but his films live on forever. And do yourself a favor. You could probably put together a very interesting, like, four-film marathon. Of Bob Clark. 
and just explore all the weird genres yeah and and, ex- and explore them well just the way he did um i'm very fortunate i'm glad i finally caught black christmas you know like i said i'm so glad to put on the rotation it, it's on it's, shutter so shutter shout out shutter if, shout if out you don't if you like can't find or want to see it and get on shutter Sh- um, shutter's got some good shit this oh my, christmas man i've <laughs> yeah it's it's kind of ridiculous i'm gonna watch a all the creatures were stirring directed, i want to see that directed by podcaster uh extraordinaire uh, rebecca mckendry nice uh, from the shockwaves it's podcast. An, and it's anthology so i've heard nothing but good things about it there's jallo reindeer Ooh! If that doesn't pique your interest, I don't yes. know what will. Uh, but ultimately, here uh, this is going to be our second to last episode of the year. Mm-hmm. Next uh, week's episode, we are doing our year in review. Going to talk some of our favorite horror films, horror happenings from 2018, and now actually looking at it, there's a lot more I need to add to the list. Right. As it turns out, right? Because, and I, I will say, you know, no, I'm going to leave the uh, the Jerry Springer little you know one to go on at the, for next month, uh, next week's episode. So until that time, gang, this is Greg D. And I'm Genius McGee, and we'll. See you in your dreams.